My dear fellow believers, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Past few weeks here at the chapel, the sermons have focused on a number of questions. And with any question is uncertainty. What is the answer? Just think God made the world. He made Adam and Eve. Perfect world. Perfect Adam and Eve. And in their perfection comes the devil with a question. Did God really say? Did God really say you shouldn't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Did he really say? Doubt remains the appropriate weapon of choice by the devil in your life, in my life. In all of the things that we have encountered this past week, there's uncertainty all over the place. And doubts that start to creep into our hearts. If the devil and his allies can get us to doubt God's word and the promises that he is God, the almighty God, the all-powerful God, who has power over all things in all time, then he succeeds in getting us to doubt the love and mercy and forgiveness of a giving, almighty, gracious God. He will use doubt about God and his promises in your life and in my life. And that's why this section from John chapter 9 is so appropriate because there was doubt and uncertainty all over the place in the healing of this man born blind. But Jesus gives us the real truth, doesn't he? In our lesson, the thoughts of the disciples are often thoughts of those who are afflicted may have. God is punishing me for some sin. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going through this difficulty. As Jesus walked along the road, he saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked a question. Teacher, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. It was simple, as far as the disciples were concerned. Something goes wrong in a person's life, that means that somebody did something wrong. Deep down inside, we cling to that same question, don't we? That same conclusion. At least we're tempted to. It comes to light when we suffer, when we face obstacles in life. We face sickness. In those moments of frustration, we cry, what have I done to deserve this? In those dark moments, when we search our lives, I must have done something wrong. In desperate moments, we pray, if you take this away, God, I'll do something good. Deep down inside, we're just as stuck in this cause and effect thinking as Jesus' disciples were. They were only responding with what they could see, what they believed had to be a natural result, the most obvious answer. But what was the answer from Jesus, the God Almighty in human flesh? Neither this man nor his parents 
sinned. Jesus said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. The disciples asked, was it because he or his parents sinned? Jesus answered, no, it wasn't. But because of his blindness, you will see God work a miracle for him and for you. Because of his blindness, Jesus says, you will see. What do the disciples see when they look at the man? They see the blindness. They see a question to be answered, a problem to be solved. Do they see a person in need? Do they see a living, breathing person struggling to live without sight, struggling under the weight of other people's judgment, struggling with his faith life or lack of it? They saw a blind man who must have sinned, or at least his parents. What do you see in your life when you look around? Be honest now. Perhaps you see an imperfect marriage partner, imperfect children, imperfect boss, imperfect workers. Perhaps you see too much crime, confusion in this world, and too many viruses. Like the disciples, You've only seen the circumstances, but you've anticipated the consequences based on limited information and human understanding. When we mourn, give up, throw a pity party for ourselves, we're doing more than doubting our abilities. We're sinfully doubting God's abilities. Sinfully denying God's promises. The disciples were focused on what people do or do not do for God. We're giving up on the one whom nothing is impossible. In the days ahead, keep your focus on the one who brings light and hope to our doubting, darkened world. What did Jesus do in the midst of the doubt-filled questions? Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. You would think, now's everything, everything's great. I'm cured. No problem. That exactly was not the case. They brought the Pharisees to the the man to the Pharisees who had been blind. And now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened, 
The man replied, he is a prophet. Pharisees were dedicated to keeping the law of Moses. They confront the man born blind as a liar who could not have been healed. They rejected Jesus, and so they rejected any evidence of any miracle. Here's a man, blind from birth, trying to get somebody to see what happened in his life, standing right in front of them, able to see. They refused to accept what Jesus had done. They refused to accept this miracle and thus to deny the good that had happened to this blind man. Can you honestly for a moment put yourself in his place? And understand his frustration. Yet he didn't give up, did he? He kept his confidence in the Lord and that's what we are to do. They show no love or compassion for a man's life who had been changed because they rejected Jesus as the Christ Messiah. The faith of the man born blind was in a process of coming to know Jesus, but he clung to the facts. Even when the Pharisees wanted him to reject Jesus. The rest of the verses of John 9, the man's own parents are threatened by the Pharisees. They stick to the facts. He was born blind. Somehow he got his sight. We don't know anything more. Ask him. He's of legal age. The devil wants to keep us in the darkness of doubt. False assumptions so that we question God's love for us. Jesus points us to God's loving plan for our lives. We're not saved by our works, as the Pharisees believed. We're not saved by our works as we believe in our natural goodness. We are rescued from sin by God's grace. That his undeserved love for wretched sinners. The only way to counteract Satan's weapon is with the truth of his word and promises. After the former blind man had been thrown out by the Pharisee, Jesus' compassion becomes personal in bringing him not only physical sight, but also spiritual eyesight. That is a knowledge and faith in himself. Listen carefully. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What a wonderful reminder that faith comes by hearing the word. Isn't that what has happened in your life? You've heard the word and you believe in Jesus? Even in the midst of uncertain times, we have constant hope in our God. His promises are true. You and I can hurt like crazy from our inner darkness, but Jesus brings light. Can you imagine being trapped in an underground cave 
no source of light. And suddenly there's a pinprick way down yonder. And finally that pinprick becomes a huge hole and blasts open that area of darkness and bathes us in the warm glow of his mercy. I know you're scared. I know you feel alone. But you don't have to be afraid any longer. I, Jesus, am your light. My light is the complete forgiveness of all your sins. Every single one of your sins has been forgiven. I have taken care of those sins at the cross. I suffered for you. I was punished in your place. I conquered death. I came to life. My light is complete to forgive all your sins. I've got my arms around you. One last final thought and illustration. Have you ever picked up a picture done in embroidery? Mitered its beauty of colored strings woven just right, and then you looked at the other side. What did you see on the other side? Tangled, confused mess? You ever see in your life a tangled, confused mess? The Lord sees on the other side a perfect picture as he weaves in his promises and perfect plans so that everything in your life turns out just right as God wants it to. As God weaves his loving promises and perfect plans into the picture of our life during our time of grace, just as he did for this blind man, God opens our eyes to see what we need most. Opens our eyes to see his precious promises contained throughout the pages of Holy Scripture and that take us to the scene of the cross and to the empty tomb. God opens our eyes to see Christ's body and blood are there for us for the forgiveness of sins. God opens our eyes as he reminds us of our baptism in the waters that washed away our sins. Jesus, the light of the world, Jesus enables us to see God in his love in all that we do and all that we say. In the midst of an uncertain world comes the certainty of Jesus and the certainty of his word. Trust in him. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen.